welcome to another interview in our spot kick inside the 18 series presented by touchline thoughts and powered by the garage door sports network our guest for today is joanna sanchez but we know her as coach joe coach has a list of impressive accomplishments she is the ceo and founder of skills for soccer 2020 host for let's kick it former mls youth coach for the houston dynamo and fc dallas she has her United States Soccer Federation National D license, is a video assistant referee for the MLS, coaches for Rush Soccer, where they focus on development of youth, and coaches at Soccer Shots DFW, where DFW is a premier youth soccer program. And finally, coach is the founder of the first women's team under Lone Star College Montgomery. Coach, it is a pleasure to meet you. We are so happy to have you on. How are you doing today? Arafan, thank you so much for inviting me to Touchline Thoughts. I'm so excited. I'm just overall excited to be here. Well, we are very happy to have you. I mean, when you reached out to us for a collab, we were like, oh my God, look at this wonderful person's resume. <laughs> Absolutely, we're going to put you on. I know Paige and I were talking about it throughout the week. I apologize that she isn't here, but training has taken over her life at the moment. But why don't we get right into it? Super happy, like I said, to have you here. And I guess the, the obvious question, and I ask this to everybody, but why soccer? Why footy? Soccer, I think that, I don't know, my parents raised me to be like in these little puffy dresses, the lace socks, sit here and like just be quiet or not be quiet, let's behave at like parties and stuff. And I see the boys running around and just like, you know, being boys, I guess. And then on Sundays, I see my dad play soccer. Mm-hmm. running scoring take off their shirt when they score yeah. the cheering and i'm like i want to do that i want to go out there and like kick stuff yeah. so yeah. i think that my dad is a huge influence on um me being introduced to soccer for sure and so when did you start playing soccer i guess like you you grew up watching him play and then when did you officially go put on the shin guards put on the boots and, and head onto the pitch well, I guess I kind of asked my parents when I was five, six, seven, mm-hmm. and they were like, no, not, not right now. And okay. then with my opportunity where I think I turned eight, my friends wanted to play on a team. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, this is my opportunity. So I asked them, we joined uh, family friends and that's when I started playing. I begged for like the cleats, the shin guards, all that good stuff. And I was just excited to get out there. So how did they feel when, when you, we're like, that's it. I want to, I want to go on the pitch. That's where I want to be. Like, how did they react to all that? I know it took a while to get there, but I'm, I'm guessing like when they agreed, they were happy about it. Well, um, my dad was excited. My mom, she was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And I'm going to confess actually my first game ever. I don't know how this happened, but I turned around. So my parents already paid for the season, paid for the mm-hmm. paid, paid for everything. Right first practice went through and the first game I got hit in the face like smack in the face I knocked down uh to the floor I passed out because I woke up to my mom like hovering over me and I'm like oh this is bad (laughs) so she takes me to the back of the it was an indoor arena so we go Mm -hmm. to the back and she just has like this firm conversation with me and she's like uh you wanted to sign up for this you're not quitting because I was crying I was like of course I don't want to do this this hurt of course of course um but no I'm glad that she had the conversation made me stick through the whole season because good yeah I mean you wanted to do it and then I guess the first moment of adversity she's like "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh 
you're not giving up we've paid for this now exactly yeah no worry I've had the same situation it wasn't soccer but it was for, for skating and I sat on the ice for the first two classes and my mom was like I've paid for 10 so you can sit there I'm not taking you home so I feel what you're going through um but so you played until what age um uh, I started I so I played at age eight I went mm-hmm. all the way to college and I actually tried to walk on um but unfortunately uh coach had a different vision for the team which didn't yeah. include me and at mm-hmm. the moment I was just like depressed I'm like what's to come of my life I played mm-hmm. soccer forever so up to 18 or college sorry 20 and then since I didn't make the team I'm like I still have to be a part of soccer somehow and that's when I applied for the Houston Dynamo to do grassroots marketing right so you know, one door closed, but another one opened. Absolutely. So then that's when I guess the wheels in motion started to get you into coaching or is it like you did the grassroots for a little bit and then we're like, oh, I think my calling is to coach. Uh, actually. So at Montgomery college is where I actually started mm-hmm. uh, after high school mm-hmm. and there was enough boys to form two boys teams mm-hmm. and no girl team. So I plastered flyers all over the campus I was like we have to do tryouts we had to do a girls team mm-hmm. so we had a girls team and then um played there I was at a one of the guys games and some guy just came up to me he's like hey uh have you ever thought about coaching or have, he's like have you played I was like yeah I play he's like mm-hmm. you thought about coaching and I'm like mm, how hard could that be <laughs> then he told me you know he'd pay like what 20 an hour or whatever it was and I was like oh yeah in college you're like yeah of course I'll do it yeah, yeah. So that's how I actually got started. Some guy just came up to me. He had his own little youth club of kids ages. It was like four to 10 or something. Sweet. So that's sort of, it's that door. You mentioned it earlier already. It's that door that opened and it allowed you to work with youth. And is that why you kind of went down that sort of path was a lot to do with the youth soccer because of that, that opportunity from the random angel, I guess we can call him that just came up and offered it to you. Um, I think that because I've had an, a lot of amazing soccer coaches throughout my experience, my mm-hmm. soccer life. I think that's also why I was like, you know, they had a huge impact in my life. What can I do for the next generation? Sweet. Um, how can I help them go to the next level? And once I found out about the licenses and all that stuff, I was like, oh, I definitely don't think I know it all. I'm just a player there's so much that goes behind the scenes of setting it up for the season, the curriculum. And so, yeah, I got the license with my dad. I got the E and the D. Uh, we got it together. So right now I'm doing the C by myself, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Has he decided to join you in the, in the whole C thing or? Uh, no, he, I told him that right now with having skills for soccer here in Dallas, if I advertise it, all that stuff, if he'll coach out for me out in Houston or mm-hmm. the Woodlands. And he was like, yeah, I'll, go back to coaching of course of course well that's so nice like he was your the the reason why you started soccer and the reason why you're continuing because he's right there with you that's just amazing great to hear um so I know you you mentioned already that at Montgomery there was two male teams and not no 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 female team there's not really a balance of sports from from that perspective and then especially being a coach and a player how has the journey been through male dominated sport, you know, the infrastructure is male dominated, the coaching options are male dominated. Like, how are you navigating through that as, as a coach? I honestly, I thought about this question because it's like, 
I never saw it as like I'm a female in this male dominated sport because I always played with boys right since I was little like co-ed always played with boys uh, my dad would play pickup soccer during the week and then sometimes on the weekends and I'd just be there with them until I was like around a teenager or entering high school I played with my first all-female girls team mm-hmm. and then even when they started picking teams with the boys I'd be starting to get picked less and I'm like mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm better than half these guys but whatever the case anywhere from even when I first started working for the Houston Dynamo like you said all male um I well not volunteer but I was like I kind of threw myself out I was like hey can I coach the clinics that you guys had before the games mm-hmm. I really didn't think that they'd say no I was just like I'm here to do the work let's right. go uh all the coaches were male and all the coaches were like double my or twice my age so I was like, oh, this is um, new or different, I guess. Well, not really different, but it's like, how's this going to go? They were amazing. I had great mentors and stuff. And I just think that by carrying yourself professionally and having the knowledge of the game, they'll just, you know, respect you. And now, to be honest, with like social media and stuff, I grew up watching Mia Ham, you know, the OGs. And now you have because of social media, Alex Morgan, Cindy LaRue, like you're watching them have babies and back on the pitch. It's just mm-hmm. amazing and so inspirational. For sure. I mean, that Sydney LaRue when she was like, what, five months pregnant, running drills, the video that came out and you're like, what? Like we, we know super moms <laughs> exist, but like that's just a whole other class of super moms. Yeah. Um, but that's, it's very nice to hear that, you know, the Dynamo created that atmosphere for you that was healthy in a way but also inviting right like I mean I've heard stories from a couple of coaches before that went through a different program here in Canada and they're like it wasn't welcoming like they had to scrape through things but you know it's really nice to see that because you're able to be professional because you're able to be knowledgeable this is for our listeners as well there's a level that you can reach that it doesn't matter who you are and I think that's I think that's a wonderful message that I'm getting out of out of your answer there. I'm just extrapolating. So correct me if I'm wrong, but that's that's what I'm g- grabbing out of there. No, I like honestly, I'm just watching these women, um, Megan Rapino, and just they're breaking barriers. And mm-hmm. even now, like I have a daughter, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, aren't you like scared to bring a girl into this world?" And I'm like, "No, you should be scared. You know what's going on right now? Like we have the VPs Kamala here in the U.S." And we just have women doing amazing things. And mm-hmm. that's like the world and vibe I want to create for her and other girls. Excellent. Um, who is your mentor at the Dynamo, if you're allowed to share that? Anyone that like you think of and you go, this person was someone I looked up to? Uh, my mentor, I had a lot of great ones. I had like some like in the front office. Mm-hmm some that were like on the marketing team because we were in the street team. Mm-hmm. Um, one, his name was uh, Walter, he was awesome. He knew the ins and outs of Houston, like every street mm-hmm. and every event that we went to, whether a restaurant, a school, like we were in the community everywhere. And For he sure. always brought like amazing vibes, just, you know, positive energy and just excited to be there. And then that carried throughout the team. Mm-hmm. And then when we'd uh, run the, what would you call it? Soccer fest before the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would recognize you and they're like, Hey, you were at this event in Katy or at this right. event all over Houston. And you're like, yeah, not, they don't know. I've been to like 20 that whole week, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good to see them, uh, you know, at the games. 
so yeah Walter was an amazing mentor always just telling me have fun girl enjoy it and because he's like you're always so um I don't say uptight but like like professional he's like just let loose have fun right I just felt like I had to carry myself that way because you know like you said being a a girl a female in a male-dominated sport but yeah but it's nice to to have someone that can tell you hey you can just take a deep breath I think it's super important to take it and we'll get to your your lessons a little bit later because I did watch one of your episodes and I do want to talk about them so we'll get to that but was there any other challenges you faced um going into soccer or a coaching or playing or any of this any of that like was there any challenges that you came across that you would like to to share with us um I did in junior high Mm -hmm. There was, uh, what is it, volleyball, basketball, football, but there was no soccer. Mm-hmm. So I think at a young age, I just had it in me. And again, inspired by the women on the field, the professionals. And I'm like, what would they do to navigate through whatever obstacles to make this work for them? Mm-hmm. So I just asked the teachers, I was like, can we do a soccer team? Like, why isn't there a soccer team? So just like I did at the college, but at, when I was in junior high, just plastered flyers everywhere try to find the coach um there weren't enough girls to make a girls team so we did a co-ed and then from there there's always been a soccer program in junior high so it was great wow. to see it years later with my brother you mm-hmm. know he started playing and with my sister you know then playing in junior high so I was like yay like I started that <laughs> so yeah I think just obstacles like that again there wasn't a women's team in college so I just started mm-hmm. that one um, when I didn't make the team at Sam Houston, again, I was heartbroken and was like, it's hard because through your whole life, you're training with a team, weekends, yeah. your tournaments, games. And then it's like, what does that mean? My life, like, my life's over. What do I do? <laughs> For sure. Time? Especially at that age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I didn't want to lose a part of me, uh, a part of me. So that's why I just was like, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go try to work for the MLS. <laughs> For sure. Did you ever consider playing professionally for the, the U.S. Women's National Team if you had the opportunity to do so or was that ever something that crossed oh, your mind? Kid, of course like I wanted to go to North Carolina like Mia Ham and like follow her steps and all that that was like I would think most of little girls dreams is like to play pro for sure. for sure. Cool Um, so I'm guessing you've said it like two times now Mia Ham is your football idol here? Yeah she's I think like we're like the same height like five three five mm-hmm so uh, I know she's a forward mm-hmm. and I play sweeper but just I think what she's done with the, with the game and that's just someone I grew up watching mm-hmm. and her doing that Gatorade commercial with Michael Jordan I mean women weren't making com- doing commercials women athletes weren't doing commercials back then and for her to do that I was like whoa yeah, yeah. she's one of my my idols who okay this is totally off topic but who is the greatest women's soccer player of all time I think Carly Lloyd. Okay. Okay. Mia's Mia's great, but I think Carly Lloyd is of all time. Yeah. Yeah. All around best player. Like even though she doesn't have the most goals in in US history, it is her ability to to play the game. Interesting. Yeah, her ability and then just like after games, I think she still works out on the field. Mm -hmm. I think that work ethic is just amazing. Yeah, I think she's... in the Olympics, she stayed after and like ran laps or something. Yeah. Well, she retired now, right? So <laughs> time for the new generation, unfortunately. But um, 
one of the best. I will agree with you on that one for sure. Um, did you ever run into the issue? Like I know you mentioned um, creating teams, postering up, trying to get people involved. Was funding an issue for you at any point? Um, money coming in to try and fund these teams? Uh, for junior high, I'm not sure how that works because I was, what, 12, 13? Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about that. But for Montgomery, for the community college, um, I think we just used the boys' jerseys. Okay. I think that's what we used. And then okay. for like the next year, we um, reached out to like restaurants and say, hey, can you sponsor us? Because gotcha. we didn't want to use the guys' old jerseys. No, that's gross. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And I was just curious. I mean, a lot of people that have tried to create things always go, oh, we have to pay. We need like thousands of dollars just to get something through. So I was just curious to see if you had that hurdle. Um, okay. Well, that was amazing for our first half. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, Coach, I've got some coaching, some more VAR stuff questions for you, some game prep things, and then some advice questions. We'll be right back. What up, guys? It's your host, Nick McVicker. And if you are looking for a weekly sports podcast to fill your sports needs, you've come to the right place. Garage Door Sports, hosted by myself, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji, brings you all the up-to-date news, notes, and opinions on everything in the sporting world. If you like good conversation, good friends, and a lot of jokes being thrown around, you've come to the right place. Don't forget to check us out on all your favorite streaming sites, and we will make sure we bring you content every Saturday, right here on Garage Door Sports. We're back from our little break there. Um, so this is a question that Paige had for you. So I'm going to ask you this first, and then we'll get into your whole coaching experience a little bit more. But how do you find being an MLS VAR? Like, how do you find being a video assistant referee in the MLS? What's the experience like? I want to say this is like the most badass experience I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've been an admin coach. I've done marketing. I've done sales for any youth club, mm-hmm. you know, Dallas, Houston, but, and my dad was a referee too. So I've seen how they treat referees, Yeah, you know? Um, but the cool thing is I have an earpiece that I have and I can mm-hmm. listen to the refs during the game. Yeah. So, you know, as the fans are like yelling and it's like, are you blind? You know, things that fans say, whatever. Yeah. I have like the earpiece ear piece, and I can hear everything what they're saying, like how they're managing um, the players and how they're talking to them. And I just think it's the coolest experience ever. So you're still actively doing VAR, correct? Yeah, I did one last night. Uh, Houston Dynamo versus FC Dallas at the Toyota Stadium. I was there. Ooh, so both of your teams for the youth there, you get to see them <laughs> go off. Wow. Um did you ever want to like transition into being an on-field referee at any point? Um, actually, I haven't thought about it, but I think I would take a course just to cool. like be more knowledgeable of the game. Mm-hmm. But for youth soccer, who is just dealing with the parents sometimes, <laughs> you know, they can just get like really into it. It's like they're five years old. Come on. <laughs> Have you ever come across um, a, a parent just just... <laughs> You're just like, what? what is going on? Like, what is going through your head at this moment where they just kind of ruin the fun of the game? Uh, through my own skills for soccer, mm-hmm. no. But through different clubs that I've just been on the field and stuff like that, yeah. I mean, I remember one time, I think it was a tournament, 
um, one of the parents just like followed my dad to the parking lot <laughs> with their child. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your evening. Like, you know, it's just, again, it's youth sports. And there's like a picture of, I think it's Neymar and Messi just sitting down in their chairs and their kids are playing soccer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just take note, just relax. Let them, let the kids have fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's some parents out there that like to yell, unnecessarily <laughs> yell. Mm-hmm. I see what you're talking about. Um, so what's your experience been like coaching in the United States? Um, and is there a possibility that we see you expanding your coaching resume in the future? Uh, actually, I always looking for opportunities to coach abroad. Um, I think at an early age, we, you know, we'd go to Mexico uh, with my family and at an early age, I was always like, hey, let's get the kids together. Let's do something. I mean, I was a kid too, but I was like, let's get together. Let's play street soccer. Let's do an activity. Let's do something. Hmm. So I think at an early age, I just had that in me to just organize and, you know, do something, a physical activity. And then I've coached here in the U.S. I've coached in Dallas and Houston. Mm-hmm. And I see the difference between like Houston, they follow the, uh, like the club. And then in North Texas, Dallas, they follow the coach. And I was like, why would you follow the coach? Like you want to be coachable, like coach, uh, play for the, maybe you outgrow the coach and maybe play for this coach, mm-hmm. but they play from like three, four years old. And they have like this amazing team dynamic mm-hmm. from like that age all the way to like, you know, they're older so they can read each other on the field. So I think that's awesome. Um, I went to West Africa with my husband to like meet his family out there. And we actually, through Rush, had a lot of stuff that we could donate over there. Mm-hmm. And I coached over there. And so I just asked them, hey, what are some like um, words I can use that I can connect with them? So one of the words was like juju, which mm-hmm. is like monster or kukui in Spanish, so we would say. And it's like, okay. And there were kids. So trying to make it fun. It's like, okay, I'm the juju. You have to run away from me. I'm going to try mm-hmm. to catch a ball or whatever. So it's just like knowing a little bit about that country and just like how to make it fun for the kids. For sure. It's trying to culturally appropriate yourself in a way that connects mm-hmm. with them. And also then you're able to teach them something that you know from the U.S., for example, or from your grassroots and stuff like that. That's very cool. Um, you mentioned something about Dallas where the players follow the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that hinders development um, eventually when they get to the college level, level or the pro level and they have to deal with this different coaching environment, different coaching staff, and they go, Oh, I don't know how to deal with this. Like, it sounds like it's a, it's a hurdle. No, I agree. Um, Cause even like with my son, I coach him, but mm-hmm. like I'm his mom too. So it was like mm, a hurdle for him to be like, mommy, mommy, like, no, no, no coach. Yes. You know, on the field. Yes. Uh, but for him, I've taken him to different clubs, to different sports. And I'm like, you need to be coachable because each coach has their different style. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, they may have different ways that they can teach different skills. Um, so I think definitely that they should go with different clubs, but again, maybe they just do it to have that, that flow with the team and the rhythm. Yeah. So. No, I was just curious. I mean, I know growing up, we had the same thing, especially when you're playing youth soccer, you have the same coach that kind of follows you because your kids on the team. So it's like, we're going through like six years together. And then eventually you're like, we're not learning anything anymore. What mm-hmm. am I gaining out of this? So just, just quite curious on that point. Yeah, um, so as a coach, this is like a 
typical interview question here, right? Like job interview question, ready? What is your greatest weakness as a coach and your greatest strength as a coach? My greatest weakness. Um, I think that sometimes I could just start a session and maybe I can, in my head, start thinking, um, maybe this is not the way it's going. And while I'm thinking about it, trying to figure out what to do next, the kids may start like doing something else or they're just falling out. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of my weaknesses where I just need to like really quickly on the go, okay, stop, 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 go get a quick water break. Let's do something else. This is not working. Or, you know, what do I need to do to, and that's why I'm taking the C license (laughs) too, uh, just to learn is um, how can I make this a coachable moment or, or things like that. So I think that's like one of my weaknesses. Uh, one of my strengths, I think that obviously as a player, having great coaches and mentors, I think that, hmm, I just try to make it fun. You know, work hard out here because we're here for a reason. Like let's work hard, mm-hmm. but also have fun yeah. and always try to end it with a scrimmage. I think that everybody wants to play the real game. So yeah, yeah, for sure. It. Have you ever come across a group of youth or just youth in general that, you know, seem like they're unmotivated at one point where they don't want to play anymore? And how do you approach that situation? I think that it's important from the beginning of the season to, and this is what I'm learning through the C course as well, is have goals um, and express that with the team and maybe give them an index card and each individual one because you have your code, your goals for each player, but then you also have your goals for the team. Mm-hmm. And you need to figure out, are we in this together moving mm-hmm. forward? Or like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's important to have at the beginning, maybe touch base with them every once in a while, but like maybe mid season. And then again, at the end, these were our goals. And then what do we do? Maybe mid season halftime, you know, for sure. to, them, to end the season in a good way. Good, good. Nice to hear. Um, how do you communicate on the field? Are you quiet? Are you loud? You said you're you're always in your head trying to think of the next thing to do. Um, what do you do then? Are you quiet about it? Are you loud about it? Like, are people scared of you on the pitch? <laughs> so I've always been told that I'm very reserved and very introvert. So when I tell them that I coach, they're like, how do you coach? Because you're so to yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's coaching has helped bring that out of me. Like, I guess that lion, that beast. But in Mm -hmm. practice, I always tell the kids, I am here to help you make the decisions on the field. I can't make the decisions for you. I'm not the one playing the game. Mm -hmm. That's why we're practicing. So you can think on the field and do it yourself. Um, That's why we do these over and over and over uh, Mm -hmm. these sessions or drills, whatever you want to call them. So uh, during the game, I just let them do their thing. And then if I see like a coaching point, like, hey, xyz you know first of the ball or whatever the case and then if i have to tell them over and over again it's like guys during halftime of course i don't think it's something that you should be criticizing them in public to make them mm-hmm. feel bad right um not just even on the soccer field like with your own child at work mm-hmm. you know just have that sit down one-on-one in private and tell them hey this is what i noticed how can i help you get better Sounds like a true mentor. Sounds like a true coach and a true mom as well. In, in what you just said, um, how do you uh, how do you prepare for bigger games? Like, I mean, I know it's youth soccer at the same time, but like, how do you get them ready to go that 
everyone has their nerves, right? But how do you make sure that they're ready for that big game? I don't know. I think I always ask them, how are you guys feeling? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you guys doing today? Did you guys eat your, what is it? Breakfast, lunch, whatever. How are you like feeling? I need to, I can't really tell. I mean, you can tell a little bit like how they're like slouch or standing, mm-hmm. but it's like, Hey guys, this, Oh, I always tell them at practice, what you put in and practice is what you're going to see in the game time. If you're not running, when I say sprint, then come game time, I'm going to notice that you're like out of breath. Why? Because you didn't give it your all in practice. So there's always another team or another player out there working, you know, as hard or harder than you to Mm -hmm. beat you on the field. For sure. Have you noticed with the younger kids that it's easier to pass that message along or as they get older, they're a little bit more receptive, receptive to, to any advice that you give? I think the little ones are, are more receptive. Maybe mm-hmm. I think the older ones are like, maybe, and I see this also with my brother. He's like 15. Like, I know it. I got this. And I was like that too, as a teenager, it's like, I know everything. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think with the younger ones, it's always like, they're just like sponges. They just absorb everything. Right. Right. If you drill it down at a younger age, those, those skills will probably carry throughout most of their life for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I know they're, they're a little bit younger, the, the kids that you're getting the opportunity to coach, but let's say if someone comes up to you and says, Hey, coach Joe, I want to eventually play at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I get ready for that? Like, what advice would you give them to get them onto that path of professional soccer or go to college and play professionally from there? Like, what's the advice? What, what, if I come up to you and say, Hey coach, I want to get there. How do I do it? Yeah, I think that, well, for me, I never went through that journey to like play pro mm-hmm. but I know I think in the soccer world there's so many connections and I would highly advise camps in the summer to obviously stay uh, connected with the game and keep up your footwork and things like that um, if they don't already do private lessons and things like that you know just maybe always have the ball at their feet but then I would do more research and be like, okay, like, where do you want to go? What are you thinking? Um, there's like different levels of college as well. It's not just like going straight to play pro. I mm-hmm. mean, for some, it could be their journey, mm-hmm. but like, where, what are my resources? How can I get the, to them for them? Maybe find them a mentor or something, because I think it's always important to, cause I had that, like someone mentored me like, Hey, you're a first-generation college student. There are these things called scholarships where you don't have to pay it back. Yeah. I was like, what? So if people are just like opening doors for you and just educating and pouring out mm-hmm. their resources, I think that's just the best way to go. For sure. Um, so I did mention a little bit earlier in our interview that I watched your fourth episode of Let's Kick It, where you give five tips and this wonderful bonus tip. So here they are for our listeners who have not heard them yet. Uh, attitude is everything. Set goals for yourself. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. It's okay to make mistakes. Have fun. And my favorite, and I really like this one, criticize in private, praise in public. Are these tips and tricks that you've picked up from a trial and error sort of thing? Or did you learn this from somebody? Um, a trial and error, I think for sure. Um, like the first one, attitude is everything. Like I tell them in practice, if you're not here, if you're just goofing around, that attitude, when you go to the game, it's going to show there as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm it's game time. You have to have your game face on. (laughs) Um, 
like I said earlier, have fun. Like I love this sport. It's done so much for me, not just like I told you, I was a shy little girl who just Mm -hmm. wouldn't Mm -hmm. get dirty or whatever. And once I was able to do slide tackles and stuff, I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Just have fun. Like if you're not having fun, then okay, maybe take a break. Maybe try tennis, maybe try something else. Hopefully you come back. So, Mm -hmm. but then the last one, I think, I just think that's very important for everyone. Yeah. For their mental health as well. Like you don't want to have a coach that yells at you in public and praises you in public. I think that demoralizes everybody completely. Am I, am I wrong? Or is that something you've seen? You know, I've heard crazy stories where like the coach will like pull the girl by their pigtail and like drag them to where they want them, uh, call them different names. And I'm like, I am so blessed to have had the coaches and mentors that I've had in, in the past because I don't know what that would have done to my psyche or, you know, of course. mental. And even with my son, I think it's helped me become a better mom, to be honest, because I've coached thousands of kids, you know, right. all over. Yeah. And then having your own is a whole different game. <laughs> it's a different ball game. Um, but with him, even at home, and it's like, I've already told you like a hundred times to do this, but it's like, okay if I look at myself, like if I told him a hundred times, it must be a different way I can tell him, you know? And, um, everyone's like, do you like spank him? Do you this, this and that? And I'm like, nope. I just talk to him. Like I'd like someone to talk to me, mm-hmm. but he knows my coaching voice. So once I get there, then he's like, okay, got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, for sure. I think it's super important, especially with athletes nowadays where, where social media is so prevalent, where you can criticize anyone on any platform. But I think the ones that respect you the most is if you can pull them on the side and have that one-on-one conversation, I think not only do they respect you as a person, but respecting you as a coach and that player relationship. And you know what, Um, you know, something I've come across is I always remember the coach that treated me well. Like I knew when I made a mistake and I knew, you know, like this is how you're going to fix your mistake. But if he yelled at me, I'm like, I don't want to play with you anymore. It's more so, okay, this is how you should make that mistake not happen again um so i like that one that's my favorite tip um i'm going to tell everybody now that criticize in private (laughs) don't yell at me in person in public but anyway um as we wrap this interview up i gotta ask what's next for you where are you headed coach where are we gonna see are we gonna see you on the national stage eventually because i'd be happy for that (laughs) Wow, that would be amazing. I mean, in 2014, I launched my own skills for soccer business. I'm like, there are so many different clubs who want this certified female coach. I was like, you know what? Let me just do my own thing. So I did. I just threw myself out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I got pregnant and I stopped for a while. Then I relaunched it again. Mm -hmm. I got pregnant. But no, I I went coaching up to month seven. Mm-hmm. I couldn't put on my cleats anymore. My feet were just too swollen. Right. And then I got back eight weeks postpartum from a C-section. So for me, Oof. yeah, I know. Super it's, mom, what do you do it? <laughs> I needed it. I needed yeah. it for me. Um, for sure. I love being a mom. It's the biggest blessing, but I don't want to lose myself, you know? Um, so, you know, with all that said and done, once I finish my course in, in June and hopefully pass, then yeah, just do a lot of camps, um, and just focus a lot on my business. I'm reaching out to all the people that I used to interview on Let's Kick It. I have a friend who he's in England, played for the national team. He's um, 
Disabilities uh, National Team for England. And he has like clinics that he does out there. So it's mm-hmm. like, when can I jump out there and go? Um, yeah, just anywhere that I can travel. I love traveling and love soccer. And if I can combine them together and work Oof. with the youth, that would be Beautiful. like amazing. That'd be my dream. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for you on the seed license, first of all. And the Thank fact you. that we do want to see you around the world, maybe coaching a big club once. Fingers crossed on that point. Like we will be able to say, hey, guess what? We interviewed her maybe four years ago because she's that great. Um, but that does it for our interview today, folks. A uh, big thank you to Coach Joe and thank you all for watching and listening. However, you're watching us do t- the, today's interview. Coach, do you have any questions for us before we sign off or any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? No, I mean, again, just those tips that I gave in that video. Have fun and enjoy the game. Oh, World Cup's coming up. Stay tuned for November 2022. Yes. Awesome. We'll get you on that hopefully so you can uh, preview it with us as well as the women's Euros are coming up. So hopefully we can have your soccer mind on that one as well. Uh, Please follow Coach at on Instagram. We will share the details with you on that one. Her Let's Kick It channel on YouTube is fantastic. Wonderful interviews. I've gone through about three or four so far. We'll keep getting through those. They're wonderful. Um, Share you those links soon, folks. But we will catch you next match day. Cheers.